I would like to take you on a trip today. There will be scripture, but not in the early parts of this, so don't panic if you don't hear it and you're wondering, all right, where's the scripture? It'll show up. I can't raise that at all, so I'm going to go to another one. It was a test of who's the king of England. I just failed. It's all right. Didn't want the job anyway. All right. There we are. Lovely. Uh, This is a lesson about heart and community. We call it touchstones. There are stones that you've seen before, standing alone or in circles, in long lines or curves. Perhaps you've seen them in person. Perhaps you've gone over and seen them, and mainly in Breton, but also in, in northwest France and a couple of places in Germany. Some are near cairns. That's a stack of stones uh, done ceremonially or for a burial. Many theories are who built them, when did they build them, why did they build them. A lot of theories about that. I've heard people say, oh, Stonehenge, you know, it's an amazing astronomy calculator thing because on certain days it lines up perfectly with uh, let me just help you with that first of all when we modern man found it it was all in a pile we put it back together that way second go into your yard and just put two dowels at random some day of the year that's going to line up with something important (laughs) we don't know why they were built Many of them were standing by the time God called Abraham out of Ur of Chaldees. Yes, they're that old. Some are adorned with carvings. Some were plain. Some had carvings, and those have weathered down. Some were tall. Some were short. Some were round. Some had ugam script on the edges. It's it's an Irish, ancient Irish form of writing with lines at different angles and different combinations, and if you, uh, if you hung out in my crowd growing up as a kid and you learned how to read it by just running your hand down the side of a stone, most people would not even see it there. But most didn't even have that. And while their origins remain a mystery, we know how they were used by the people that came upon them later, the Celts, the Bretons, the Jutes, the Angles, and the other tribes that lived in those areas much, much later. They used them as touchstones. These touchstones means a place of identity and recentering. These were their stones. The other stones were the other people's stones. Now, I'm going to come right back to the notes, but I need to, just need to explain this a bit. Uh, next month, I'll be giving the keynote talk to um, an Interpol Homeland Security Conference up in Michigan. If you're wondering how in the world did I get that gig, that's a long story. Uh, And we're just so proud to finally have somebody in my family talk to law enforcement while not wearing an orange jumpsuit that we're excited. (laughs) But I've been doing this for many years with the FBI Academy and with other groups. And one of the most common ones, and they're asking me to talk to them about this time, is a talk I gave on touchstones. The particular group of men and women that I'm talking to next month have lived their life undercover in some of the worst places in the world. They've had to see things and do things and be a part of things that will stain your soul. What they call me in to do is to help them recenter, help them not lose themselves and who they are in the midst of all of this. So we talk about touchstones. 
And the very important thing about a touchstone is that it must identify you, but not all stones can or should because those belong to other people. My daughter, back in the day, we lived in West Virginia, and she swam for the university swim team there. And uh, she was in high school, but uh, West Virginia University is very cool about bringing in kids and letting them join in on things. And so we went to a swim meet. And if you've ever been to a swim meet, first of all, I'm quite sorry. Second, they last forever. About the 148th thing that was going on, the only exciting thing about it was that the group, the kids would leap into cheers. You know, you know, we're from West Virginia and we're the best and you're not, basically. And another group from Maryland would say, well, we're from Maryland and we're the best and you're not. And uh, kids from Delaware, we're the best and you're not. And the one kid from Rhode Island, well, I'm pretty good. You know, that sort of thing. Well, the next week they had another swim meet because swim meets are like figure skating championships. There's one every 15 minutes. So we went and uh, it was getting a bit boring. So Kara's team, we were from West Virginia and were the best and it was all silent. They'd forgotten it was an intrastate match. Everybody was from West Virginia. <laughs> the stone has to identify, we're coming back, who you are but also who you're not by what stone you go to. When you go to your stones, that's where trades are made. That's where marriages were solemnified. That's where agreements are made. That's where treaties are made. Wars declared, leaders chosen. Touchstones are recentering points in your life. And those points define who you are. They give you meaning or they remind you of your meaning. They stand as a pledge to others that this is who we are. We have drawn our lines. These are our goals. We give our lives to these things. And they come in a stunning variety. For some of you, family is a touchstone. To hold your grandchildren, to, to play with your kids, or to, to go see your mom and dad, that sort of thing is a touchstone for you. You need it every so often. I need that with my grandsons. My, my wife is up in Michigan right now uh, wait, awaiting the birth of our, uh, our first granddaughter. And we've been practicing by feeding 50s in a shredder, and we think we're ready for this experience. But just holding the baby is a, is a touchstone. It's a recentering moment. Now, for some of you, you had a horrible family. And a family is not going to be your touchstone. And I get that because I had a lot of that in my family as well. Now, I, I did play with my grandfather every week. Um, technically, he was dead. But my parents um, <laughs> cremated him and put his ashes in my sandbox. And so I was able... And I know you think that's horrible, but you're going to be telling that story before you get off the block. I, I, for most of my life, family was not the touchstone. Family was something to be avoided. For others of you, it's nation or flag. The rocket's red glare, bombs bursting in air. And you think of that, and you, you see the flag. I remember that I've always kidded about, you know, who we are, who you are, and the like. But the day that my son rose, raised his right hand and, and swore into the Marine Corps, the first thing we did when we went home was we put an American flag on the outside of our house. We had blood in the game now. This was ours too. 
and we understood that. We'd had people before fought for America, and quite a few fought against it, but uh, well, this was our, our first one to do it legally, so we were happy. For others, you're seeing a soldier in an airport, or it's going to church, whether it's every week, or whether it's twice a week, or whether it's twice a year. That's your recentering time. For some of you, it's a vacation spot. For some of you, it's a, a, a meditation time, or doing yoga, or you get the point. We all need a point, a time to step away and have a personal inner Sabbath and retouch what makes us who we are. The world does not want you to do this. The world will do everything it can to keep you from reaching your touchstones. So they will put up false touchstones and say, come here and be completed. They want to make your life the same life as Barbie, where, when are you done buying things for Barbie? When does Barbie look about and say, you know, the house is full, and I've got a Corvette, don't really need the pink Jeep? Never. What kind of life is it when you have to buy your friends anyway? But we could go on. The point is, the world will say, buy this and be happy. Buy this, wear this, do this to your hair, and you'll be happy. And the thing is, it works for a while, but only for a while. They want to keep you off balance. Buy this. Vote for this person. Chase that one. Saw a political advertisement today. said, vote for this man, and he'll stop um, improper or over-the-top spending in Washington. No, he won't. Not unless he's got a, ba- a nuke in his backpack, because the rest of them are going to still spend. They're not going to say, oh, no, he's here. <laughs> but we keep falling for it, don't we? And we keep voting for our guy or our girl or whatever. And we keep wondering, are we okay? And we look at the world's touchstones and they'll say, no, you're not yet. Not yet. And poor girls, poor girls, they will look at the covers of magazines and see people who have personal trainers, who have no other job but to stay fit and skinny, are starving themselves and have clothes that on the back of them you don't see, but it has tape and everything else to make it just perfectly right. And they'll say, that's what you're supposed to look like. Poor girls. I know guys can get some pressure as well, but let's face it, guys. No matter what shape you're in, you really think you're three sit-ups away from a date with a supermodel. So (laughs) It's it's the women that suffer here. The end result is that we have a nation. Do you need a wee bit more time on this section? (laughs) This section can explain it if you need it. (laughs) All right, all right. The end result is that we are the richest people in the history of the world, and we're depressed. We have a life that is so rich, it would make the sun king of France blink in astonishment. You're richer than Solomon. You can go get a banana today. That would have been something he might have heard of once. You, for just pennies, can get ice and something cold to drink. They couldn't. We have everything, and we feel lost. We're full of medications, surrounded by angst and fears. 
we've leaned on the wrong touchstones and found out they were not stones at all, but paper mache that somebody's going to move. And like Lucy and Charlie Brown in the football, we keep falling for it. One of the most important tasks before us as individuals and as a church community is to ask, who are we? What do we know? What is important to us? One of the greatest theologians of the last, I'd say, 60, 70 years is Henry Nouwen. And many of you have read his books. Uh, they, are, they are worth reading. And yet, one time when he was pulled aside by a student that was struggling, he said, Dr. Nowen, what do you know? All these questions about, is this right or is that right? Did Jesus mean this? Did he mean that? What, what do you know after your lifetime of studying this? And he smiled, and he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he said, and that's enough. He found his touchstone. But we get distracted. A man asked me to go make a visit with him years and years ago. And I said, sure. He said, but we have to stop by my house first. I went, fine. We walked in, and the front room was frankly a mess. There were toys everywhere and the like. And he tripped over, and he, he, was, he was embarrassed, obviously, that his house is in such a state. And he yelled at his wife like he was Fred Flintstone. You know, get in here, what's wrong? And, and I... I went, you know, all right. And so I just stepped in between them. And she looked at me and I said, go be filled and warm and at peace. I've got this. Turned around and looked at him and I said, why are there toys on the floor? And he said, because my wife does nothing all day. And I just stopped him. I said, why are there toys on the floor? And he thought for a while and he tried the wife thing again. I said, why are there toys on the floor? He was a little bit afraid because at that time I was a shrink. I could sign some papers and he'd go away. <laughs> he said, because my kids just will not pay. And I stopped him. Why are the toys? And we did this for a while before he finally hesitantly said, because I have kids. And I went, rejoice in the toys on the floor. They are not a problem. They are a sign of Grace. I had a man that said, my wife is the most picky wife, woman on the planet. He says, we go to the mall, she looks at every single dress in the mall. Then we go back and buys the first one. <laughs> and she wants me there. First of all, I don't mind it when my wife does that. I, I will go with her and I will hold her purse because it's the only time I'm near my money and I'm, I'm <laughs> fine with that. We are good. I'll even open it and talk to my money. You know, hey, George, how you doing? It's been a while. I looked at him and I said, thank God she's so pecky. And he said, what do you mean? I said, she has to see everything and view everything and think about everything before she chooses. She chose you. He went, I guess she did. Now, I didn't tell him you could also say, she chose you, she learned, be careful next time. I didn't do that. <laughs> the thing is, the very thing we think is a pain and a problem often is a good touchstone blessing. The man that complains is what his daughter is the most difficult person on the planet. I always say, thank God she is. Because one of these days, people are going to try to talk her into doing stuff. And I don't want her to be used to just saying yes. Give her a touchstone. What are the 
What are the things in your life that are important? And what are the things that are merely urgent? Urgent things are loud. They yell at you like commercials. They yell at you, you better get this done. Important things. Important things don't yell. Important things are like taking time to talk to a child, even if it means you don't finish the lawn. Important things are things such as stopping to talk to the homeless man rather than making your meeting on time. Don't be suckered into living your life running from one urgent thing to the next. Find some touchstones. Recenter. What are the basic needs of every human? You might find it fascinating or interesting, but in psychology, we've worked on this a long time, and we found it's exactly what God gave you. Meaning, identity, intimacy. He made man and woman. He put them in a garden. He gave them identity. You are made in my image. He gave them intimacy, each other and walking with God. And he gave them an identity. And uh, you, you get, you're the keepers of the garden. You're the beloved of God. God gave us identity by making us in his, mem his image, meaning by placing a task in front of us, and intimacy by giving us each other. And as Wayne put it, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we've seen time and time again, God breaks into every story in the Scripture if you give him time, and he breaks into it with love. Rahab was in a city where everybody was supposed to be killed, but even though she was a prostitute and lied, God blessed her. Love trumped everything. She was put outside the camp, but God brought her inside the camp and into the line of Jesus. Ruth, a Moabitess, not allowed to be and the people of Israel, according to, to many things you read, but God said no. Boaz needs her and put her in the line of Jesus Christ. In Galatians 5, we see love. 1 Corinthians 1, we see love. Isaiah 1, 17, we see love. Right in Isaiah, in Micah, we see love. Love, mercy, justice, peace, time and time and time again. Love is a touchstone. Community is a touchstone. More than 20 years ago, a very good friend of mine pulled me aside and he said, Patrick, I've seen your notes for what you're about to say. And I love you, but if you say this, you will never preach in a church of Christ again the rest of your life. I smiled and I said, let's, let's go. I said it, didn't vary, still here. Because you see, this is my community, and you can't throw me out because I won't go. <laughs> I mean, you can break up with me, but I'm staying right here. And by the way, thank you for, for being such a loving community. You have made, Cammy and I looked around on, on Friday night at Gentry Farms and said, I think we found a family. I think we found our home. And you've, you've gone out of your way for that. And, and if you're visiting here today, they will do that for you too. 
You don't have to sound funny for them to like you. Love is a touchstone. Community is a touchstone. But what kind of love? What kind of community? Jesus came and walked among us to show us what kind of love and what kind of community. He wanted to call us to the touchstones of his life. By the way, let me challenge you, small group people. And I forget what they call the small groups here. What do they call the small groups here, Nancy? Life groups. Okay. It's, 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 it's like you have a different word for everything. Anyway, um, so life groups. Let me challenge you. Read the Gospels again and again and again for the purpose of finding the touchstones in Jesus' life. You will find, won't they, Albert? Prayer. You will find seclusion. You will find quiet. You will find community. You will find self-sacrificing service, never reflecting back, but always giving out. You will find taking the time. He's on the way because a very important man's daughter is sick, but there's also another woman on the way that needs some attention. And he stops and protects her. What are your touchstones? We had a parent-teacher conference, and our son was in the eighth grade, and he was struggling a bit. Uh, we'd always homeschooled. We decided to put him in this Christian school, and he wasn't making the transition with his grades like we wanted him to make. But as I, I sat with his math teacher, and I said, tell me about my son. And she looked at me, and she said, your son is a Christian gentleman. I said, then we're done. I'm not, I don't care about the grades now. As I was walking out, the principal came, and he said, you're Duncan's father. And I said, yes. And he said, that was quite a thing he did. I said, really? And what thing would that be then? And he said, he didn't tell you. I said, no. No, do I need a lawyer? And he goes, no. <laughs> it's a Christian school in Detroit, and they wanted not to be a white school. They wanted to be an integrated school, but the problem was that money was an issue for the minorities in our area. And so they had come up with scholarships and brought in minorities. And one African-American girl had evidently been called some names by a few of the white boys. And my son had heard. He didn't go and hit them. That's not our touchstone. He walked over to her and said, what's your schedule? And he found out her class schedule. And for the next week and a half, he walked her to every class quietly. My son's big, strong, little mean. No, you just know it's there if you don't watch out. You know, the Marine Corps loved him. You know, they, as soon as they saw him, it's like, this is our guy. But he just very quietly walked her, carefully, back and forth. Everybody got the message. You don't hurt this girl. You don't say anything wrong to this girl. I was so proud of him at that time. My wife didn't like it, but I said, you can keep making C minuses in math the rest of your life. Because <laughs> frankly, they always told me one day I'd use it, and I never have. Um, <laughs> I don't even balance a checkbook. I just change banks every two years. And <laughs> So what were his touchstones in Jesus' life? Love, 
and inclusion, including women, the Samaritans, the Syrophoenicians, the Romans, care for the poor and the left out, care and community for the unacceptable, bringing them into your circle, elevation of people and their needs over law and custom, again and again and again, sharing and caring, and unity. You ever looked at who he picked as apostles? He picked zealots who carried swords to kill collaborators. And he picked a collaborator, Matthew. Said, you all get along. We're going to lay down and go to sleep now. I don't think Matthew got much sleep. Not for a while. Unity. Here's the scriptures I told you about. We're going to find touchstones in a couple of lists. There are many places we could go for this. I'm just giving you suggestions. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness. Each of these is a stone. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Or how about this one? As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Don't rush past that verse. That's a stone. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's another stone. There is one body, there's a stone, one Spirit. You get that where we're going. Just as you were called to one hope and you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I think we have some stones. I think we have some touchstones that we can find. We're given markers of who we are defining ourselves by where we are in relationship to those stones. We're not defined by how we worship. We're defined by who we worship. We're defined by the people we hold dear and by the Lord we believe in. With input from your shepherds here and those who attended a ministry discernment seminar a couple of weeks ago, I'm working on crafting a vision and a statement of faith for us here that'll be wide enough to include everything it needs to include, but not so long that you, uh, a six-year-old can't repeat it back. It's going to be difficult. We're going to work on it. We'll get some more input. It's always dangerous territory when you set up a touchstone for another person, so I ask for your prayers. But I also ask you to tell me, you know, that touchstone needs to be moved. I've had to abandon some in my life. I've had to put up others in my life. It's the way it goes. But in the meantime... I ask you as couples, families, and as small groups to craft a statement of who you are and what you hold dear. I've asked our shepherds to do the same, to make a statement about who they are as a body. And don't tell me, oh, it's in Timothy and Titus. Stop it. I want to know what are the stones. And keep it simple. A lady came into my office one of her, now I'm as pro-life as you're ever going to find an individual on the planet. But this woman, the abortion issue had so overwhelmed her that she was no longer able to be mother, wife, anything. She was just so obsessed. And so the family had sent her to me for counseling at the time. I don't do counseling now, don't show up at the door. You'll just hear a voice on the inside like Gollum going, saying, go away, you know, that sort of thing. No, I'll, I'll talk to you, but I don't counsel anymore. It's a, we have pros for that. Anyway, she came in, and she just talked and talked for about an hour. I didn't get a word in. I told her I'd see her next week. 
When she came in, she started going again. I stopped her. And I said, now I've heard your story. She goes, but I have, and I said, what I want you to do is write it. I want you to write no more than two pages. Distill it down. She didn't know if she could do it. She came in next week. She handed it to me. We talked for a while. I said, next week, one page. Oh, she struggled, but she got it. She wrote small. She got it on. Said, next week, three sentences. Oh, she worried, but she did it. I said, next week, three words. She came in quietly and sat down, most peaceful I'd ever seen her. And she looked at me and said, life is precious. I went, make sure your touchstones aren't a forest. Strip them down. Check them. I have to do a spiritual gut check every day, many times a day. Because as hard as it may be for you to appreciate this, Christianity does not come naturally to me. I have to work on it. Some of you were born praising Jesus. Good for you. But some of us struggle. And so I will stop and say, Am I acting in love? Am I showing respect to a child of God? Am I giving of myself, or am I asking to receive? And am I in community right now with God and with his people? And usually I'm chastised, but that's what the stones do. They tell you who you are. I'm going to ask uh, Mark for you to bring the team back up, please. That includes me, but I'm already here. And I'm going to ask you to stand, to receive the, the charge. Above all, love one another. Follow Jesus. Be filled with the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Find your identity in the love of Christ and in those he loves.